Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand just a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway's team of former contracting officers and industry pros help make you more productive, more competitive, and more effective in the government market. Visit skywaymember.com to learn more. In today's episode, Kevin talks task order management with Christy Gilbert. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Christy, and kind of fill everybody in on how you got into this industry and I mean, what, what brought you here? I went to law school. I guess that's where this all started. And I majored in political science with a minor in business. And I knew I was going to go to law school, but I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do after that. And I love both business and I love politics. And, and so it seemed like a good fit. And I could do both with a law degree. And I got out of law school and I knew I did not want to practice law. And <laughs> I'd, I'd heard enough stories. <laughs> I met enough lawyers in law school to know that's not what I want to do. And I was very lucky to, to find a job in, in the aerospace industry. And I had to move from Cleveland to the D.C. area, which was Different. in itself a bit of a challenge because I yeah. spent my whole life in, in Ohio. And um, I, I started as an administrator working in the engineering department. And I guess because I had the law degree, I, they were coming to me with uh, legal issues associated with contracts. And I drifted into the contracts area. And that's how I got started. So I've got over 35 years. I've done a little bit of everything. I've had some, I've had a CFO position with a company. Um, I've had HR working for me. I've had IT working for me. I've had a lot of different business functions because small businesses, you know, can't afford full-time, a full-time contracts person. So you do more than that. So I've got small business experience, large business experience, contracts experience, proposal experience, and a little bit of everything else. So I bring all of that to Skyway and our customers, and and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it is kind of cool how you you're yet another example of somebody who didn't say I'm going to be a contract administrator, but then you found that it fit your not only your skill set but kind of what you like doing, and it yeah it's it's kind of problem solving on steroids, which is why I like it. And so oh, and, and absolutely. And it, it is really great to have you know your your specific background as part of our conversation. Well, one of the things that you and I kicked around was what's a really good topic for a podcast for, for you specifically. And and one of them was, well, there are lots of them, but one of them was task order management, Ta you know, task order contracts, they're indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contracts. And depending on the size of the contract, there can be lots of task orders. And what happens on the industry side with task orders, I was clueless to, because as a contracting officer, I just said, okay, here's a task. And then it would get done through the prime contractor. And you're working with a prime contractor. You might be working with a sub, but all these things are happening that I just wasn't, I don't want to say I wasn't privy to, but you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a reason to pay attention to them, I guess is the way to say it. So I like the idea of, you know, what, what are the things that you wish the government knew? Well, I think from the contractor's perspective, uh, a task order is really in and of itself a contract. Um, it can have a different customer because it might have a different core. The money may be coming from a different agency than another task order. It may have, it'll have its own statement of work and it's gonna have some terms and conditions that may be different. And the most important thing is the expectations on the part of the customer are different. 
what they want in the way of a monthly report, um, what they want to see in terms of financial reporting is different from task order to task order. So it's really important for the contractor side to have a kickoff meeting of sorts, get your program manager and your contracts people and your subcontracts people and your finance people all together at the beginning of the contract, at the beginning of the task order to understand what are the expectations and how are we gonna meet those expectations? And it can be very different from task order to task order. I think from the government side, it, the contracting officer over the IDIQ is just looking at it as, oh, it's just a task order. But to us, it's a contract, a separate contract in a way. So do you have any examples of, of the expectations not aligning one way or the other? Well, in, in one task order, for example, we had, um, there were, it was funded by five different acrons, which are, you know, funding sources. And the expectation of the core was that he would get a billing and, and, and against every single acron so that he knew that, that this, this agency or portion of the agency's money was being spent on the portion of the work that they, that they wanted done. And from the task order um, perspective, the task order had a provision in it that said you bill by acron in sequence. So acron AA first, then acron AB, acron AC, and and that's how we set up our billing because that was the requirement of the task order. Now you've got a customer who says, well, wait a minute, I'm Akron AA and you haven't even started on my part of the work. Why am I being charged? So those kinds of expectations have to be understood up front. And, and we have to set up on the contracting side, we have to collect our costs in, in the way that the, the government expects to be billed. And it's, it, it's just really important up front to understand that. Well, and and uh, ACRIN, by the way, stands for Accounting Classification Reference Number. And we do have a podcast about that. It's an interesting example of how you know, the ACRIN is, the analogy we use is that the ACRIN is kind of like the, the, the plumbing in, in the contract. You know, there's a, the contract type is the, found, is the foundation, the cleanse of the, of the actual framing of the house, and then the ACRIN is the plumbing. It's how everything moves around, right? And so what you're, the example you're using there is I had no context of when I write into the contract, well, use the use them in the order that I put them in here, in Akron AA, then Akron AB, et cetera. And the reason I'm doing that is I want to I want to use the oldest funds first because I'm worried about obligations and expenditures because that's what I care about as a contracting officer, what my customer's finance team cares about. But when you put that on the contract, now the customer, the core, or or, or the you know, the person on, on the, at the ground level doing the work, there's impact to that. And I never even thought about the fact that, you know, somebody's seeing their money being depleted and <laughs> they're not actually seeing and how awkward that would be for you to have to kind of describe to them, well, there's this thing called an Akron and this little line here in the contract says I have to fund it, I have to bill against it this way. And it just creates a, a lot of challenges. Are there any other, you know, task order management things that, that like, that's a great example of the, the things I, the things I didn't know that I didn't know as a CEO. Yeah. Any other examples like that that jump out at you, the things that you wish the government, somebody explained to them ahead of time? Well, I think the limitation of funds is, is another situation. And, and again, it's driven by where the money is coming from and who has to fund as you get close to, to you know, you're running out of money or, you know, you've added something and you're adding money and, and you've got to figure out where is the money that's going to, where's the money have to come from to do the extra work or finish the work. And the, the limitation of funds requires that you be able to, you, you've got to be able to predict your expenditures 
60 days ahead of hitting 75 or 85 percent and that's really hard to do if you think about how if you've got a task order let's say and it's a year it's a year long and you're going to hit 75 percent you hope three quarters of the way through it and you've got to predict 60 days ahead of time that's two months earlier so you're you're in the middle of your of your task trying to figure out how much money you're going to need to finish and it's hard to do that that far in advance so yeah. that's that's a challenge and if you've got a bunch of different contracts and you're trying or a bunch of different task orders and you're trying to do that on all of these different task orders it's it's a lot of work for the contractor. So how many task orders did you usually manage? I mean, what do you think the average number of task orders that like a subcontract manager or a contract manager could could effectively manage? You know, I, I've had IDIQs that had 20 task orders, and I had one that had over a thousand. A thousand. So it did. Now it was over a nine-year period, so they weren't all running consecutively, but we easily had more than a hundred at a time on that big contract. And if you think about doing limitation of funds letters on 125 task orders, it's 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 a big job and it takes a lot of effort and I'm not sure that the accuracy is all that great most of the time, but it's a requirement and you do it. Well, and it makes you wonder why is that clause require 60 days ahead of time? Right? Where did that come from? Right. Which again, we, we're not going to get into the, the nuance of what the policy is, et cetera, but it's just when you, when you put it at the ground level and you realize what's actually happening and what realistic expectation that can really create, because I, I can tell you something, 60 days, 60 days before I'm going to hit 75%. And by the way, that's one, that's one cause of dozens that we can talk about. But on the other side of it, you're trying to generate this information and make it as, as, valuable and accurate as you can so it kind of tells you how um how complicated you know idiq contracts can be even though they they in theory are are simpler in in some areas they they do create a whole different set of problems kind of to the point where you talked about every task order or or delivery order if it's if it's a product contract is it's like its own contract and i guess i i knew that you know we, we you learn that in con 101 and, and everybody kind of tells you that but the implication of that to the point of like there, there, there could be a task order where the employees never actually talk to the employees on the other task orders. I mean, they can be in different states and different buildings, but you know, like you said, different customers, different funding lines. And, and I thinking back, I've actually had contracts like that where it was diverse enough that they were, they were completely separate and, but they were all under the same umbrella. And I think that with a trend that we're seeing of larger IDIQ contracts, that's going to continue to be a complexity that you know, we, we need to be planning for as contracts professionals and particularly for small businesses who are on these big task orders. Yeah. What, what, what you're talking about is something I think that we don't want to smack them in the face and have them realize, Oh, you mean I have to write the limitation of, of funds letter for every task order. Yes. <laughs> That's creating a lot of work for you. It is. Yes. So, and, it, and a further complication can be if you have task orders that are of different contract types, you may have some that are fixed price. You may have some that are time and material. Um, you can have cost plus on some contracts. And so your whole system is set up, um, is not set up at the IDIQ level to manage it. It's set up at the task order level because everything can be different. That's a really good example from the task order side, from the, the overall, like zoom out to the contract level. What tools have you found to really help keep track of, I mean, a thousand is a lot, but even 10 is a lot. It's like, what do you found to be the most useful thing to keep track of all of these? Well, for, 
for a smaller company, for example, a spreadsheet will work. Um, if you are a larger company, you have more systems in place. We actually, on the on the contract that we had that had a thousand task orders, we actually built our own management system for task orders that that tracked down to the um, labor category and the actual billet every single person that worked on that, those 1,000 task orders. And we had 45 subcontractors to further complicate matters. So um, every single billet was tracked in this system. Every hour recorded that was charged, we were estimating level of effort going forward. That's how we were able to figure out how much funds we needed. And it was an entire database system, huge that we developed specifically for that contract. But a smaller company, you know, it's just not gonna have that. And, and spreadsheets work pretty well. Excel is a really, really good program. It's got a, it's very robust. It's got a lot of functions. And it can be done, but it's gotta be done and it's gotta be kept up and you get behind and, and it's not good, not good. <laughs> so do you share that with your government customer and say, you know, we're, we're all singing off the same sheet of music? Or, or is that something that like, the, I mean, I, from your experience, it's one of those things I didn't think to ask for it. I mean, I had my, and the reason I asked that question, not to be cryptic, the reason I asked that question is I had my own spreadsheet that I was doing that with. And it, going under the communication rule, it would kind of make a lot of sense for us to have the same spreadsheet because I'm, I'm giving the task order to the prime contractor. And so they have a spreadsheet too. And so did you ever share that with the government? Did they ever ask for it? We shared what we had and, and I often found we really worked hard to be organized and we had to be in order for us to perform to the expectations of the customer we had to be organized and i found a lot of times that i was providing my spreadsheets to the contracting officer and i think they were using mine instead of whatever they would have normally done themselves and that helped a lot because they had the information they could ask specific questions we were all on the same page and the information, if they say, well, that's great, but, but I really need such and such in addition, I could add it to the spreadsheet and we'd provide it to them. And we actually, on the, on the contract that had the thousand task orders, we ended up not having to do uh, limitation of funds letters because they found that our financial report gave them everything they needed. They agreed we didn't have to do those letters. They really didn't want those letters anyway. And the financial report we provided was sufficient to meet that need. So there, so I'm, I'm calling that a success story. I was thinking in the, re the reason I brought that up was in terms of communication, but you just described how it just, that could have eliminated a hundred letters if you have a hundred task orders. Is that as a contracting officer, yeah. you can see where, is, where, where do they project that they're going to be. And there's a column that says, you know, what data am I, do I expect to be at X amount? And I don't know, you could do a, a what if so that it turns red when it's 75% 75, 75 or whatever. But I mean, that solves that problem. So that, yeah, that's, that's an awesome example and, of community. And it's funny you should mention that because that's exactly what we did. We, we had reds for the ones that they needed to, so they could look at the spreadsheet and go right to the ones that were red. Those are the problems. Well, to keep us handling this, you know, one piece at a time, uh, in, in closing, what, what really has you fired up about like how these, how these contract admin tasks under task orders are working now? Well, I think um, industry has taken that on themselves by, um, you know, we share information with our subcontractors. Um, we're bringing small businesses along. They see how we're doing things. 
because you know every task order that's a task order to us is is a task order to every sub on that on that order and they see they're learning by following what we're asking them to do so i think some of that is happening what the government can do i'm not sure i'm really not sure how the government could help with that i think that's something that industry has to figure out for themselves by talking to each other and learning from each other and creating really effective spreadsheets to share with the government. <laughs> well, awesome. yeah. I, I mean, you know, the government can't take, I, I guess they could if they just give you the template, but they can't take, you know, one, one contractor's spreadsheet and hand it to another and say, here, do this. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, with all the nuances, it might not apply. Yeah, it may not. And it's kind of a learning experience as you go, but there's some, canned programs out there now that do task order management that you can buy. I mean, you can buy a, a software that will, that will do this process for you. And, and there's more and more of those available now, you know, larger companies like the one I recently worked for, you know, we built our own, but there are ones that you can buy and they're for various size contracts. There's, you know, some are more complex than others. In closing, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Um, probably through my Skyway email, which is Christy, and it's C H R I S T I dot Gilbert, G I L B E R T, at SkywayAcquisition.com. Well, thank you, Christy. It was great to have you on, and I'm sure we'll have you on here again. And in the meantime, if anybody needs help with contract management or task order management, you know who to call. Thank you, Kevin. All right, have a good day. You too. Okay, that's it for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. I want to say thanks to our guest, Christy Gilbert, for bringing her insight to the podcast, and we'll have more episodes with Christy in the future. I want to remind everyone to connect with us through the Contracting Officer Podcast Network Group on LinkedIn and the Government Contracting Network Group on Facebook. Also, don't forget that our topics are listener-driven, so send me your ideas to paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.